Lawmakers in Alabama have quickly passed bills to protect IVF clinics and providers so treatments can resume in the state. A state Supreme Court decision last week ruled that an embryo created through in vitro fertilization should be considered a person. Since then, three IVF providers in Alabama have paused some services, including the University of Alabama at Birmingham Hospital, the biggest hospital system in the state. The decision is rippling across the state and sparking fears in other states of similar rulings. We spoke with a few women who were affected. I am Danella Gelpin. I'm located in Birmingham, Alabama, and I'm 38 years old. When I heard the news about my particular clinic, I cried at my desk at work all day. I could not hold back the tears. My pressure has been up just about every day since um, the news hit. And I'm just pleading and hoping that the lawmakers well, just listen. My name is Emily Capaluto. I'm 36 years old and I live in Birmingham, Alabama. I am in between treatments, but I'm currently going through IVF. I just finished my second egg retrieval on January 31st, and we are awaiting um, some test results. We were hoping that um, after the second retrieval, we would be able to move forward and um, beginning in March, schedule our um, first transfer and um, this, you know, this ruling has now put our whole timeline and all of our hopes in jeopardy. My name is Peyton Wade. I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm 32 years old. I think it is absolutely horrific and shocking that this is the reality in the world that we currently live in. Um, as someone who is currently 15 weeks pregnant with my miracle IVF baby, um, I cannot imagine that IVF would be looked at as anything but a gift um, for people trying to achieve their family goals and just navigate the world of infertility, which is traumatic enough. Unfortunately, I had multiple ectopic pregnancies that weren't really and truly diagnosed. IVF was the ideal choice for us. And to be honest with you, it may be the only option for us. I disagree with the court's ruling that an embryo should be protected um, legally as a child um, because this embryo cannot thrive or grow without being um, in cryogenic fr freezer. Um, it can only thrive or grow if it's implanted in a uterus and is given the chance to be born. Sometimes some of these rulings can have a domino effect. Um, so while there are several Tennessee decision makers who have vocally said that they support IVF, that they do not see this coming to Tennessee, I think at the end of the day, you just don't know who is really going to stand up and do the right thing when push comes to shove. I am very, very worried that women that are facing the fight of their life from a cancer diagnosis now um, will have to further make tough decisions in terms of if they're going to wait and see what our courts do in order to potentially preserve their fertility and delay treatment, or if they will have to decide to immediately start treatments and um, lose the opportunity to have families in the future. We have three embryos that are still frozen right now. We have three embryos. And I am just hoping, even if it's just one, just that one, um, me and my husband and I, we would be happy if it's just that one. But I at least want to have the opportunity to try. Supporters of the legislation to protect IVF treatments gathered at the Alabama State House yesterday to speak with lawmakers. 
Barbara Kalora helped to organize that effort. She's the president and CEO of Resolve, the National Infertility Association. She joins me now. Barbara, welcome and thanks for joining us. So we've seen lawmakers in Alabama move very quickly to pass bills allowing treatments to resume. The governor is expected to sign that into law. And the state's attorney general has said he will not prosecute clinics or doctors providing IVF treatment. So do all of those things combined ease your concerns about access to IVF in Alabama? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Uh, you know, I'm listening to the providers on the ground in Alabama, those three clinics you mentioned that are paused. They believe that this uh, bill, if passed and signed into law, will give them an opportunity to start seeing patients again. Um, but I do want to say that, that there's still a lot to be um, determined in Alabama that is not totally uh, resolved with this, with this legislation. But um, for, 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 for now, the clinics are confident that they will be able to reopen and begin seeing patients again once this is signed into law. What is not resolved with the legislation as it, as it is right now? The law doesn't really talk about the status of an embryo. And so that was the real crux of that Supreme Court case was, what is an embryo? Is it a person? Is it uh, a clump of cells? Is it have the potential for life? All of those things are, are still undecided. Um, this bill protects those um, providers and patients from any kind of criminal, criminal or civil um, prosecution. So it gives them um, some immunity. And quite honestly, that was a, a big reason why they paused. And so we've got um, a lot of work ahead of us. Um, the good news is these clinics feel confident that they can soon reopen. So that's the case in Alabama, but we also just heard from Peyton Wade in Tennessee, worried about what she called a domino effect, that other states could also move forward with similar rulings or legislation. Do you see that concern as valid? I absolutely do. And the reason why I say that is because for many years, we've actually been fighting embryo personhood, fetal personhood bills in many states for many years, far before Roe v. Wade was overturned. When Roe v. Wade was, was overturned, uh, we were very, very concerned because we thought we would see a, a larger number of these kind of bills, which we did in 2023, and we've seen a lot already in 2024. And we don't have the protection and that backstop of Roe v. Wade if one of these passes. Um, and we know that legislators want to regulate IVF. We know that they want to define when life begins. And um, look, I was in the Capitol, um, Montgomery yesterday. I was approached by folks who do not um, approve of IVF, who want it shut down. And they, they have a voice and their voices are being heard, not only in Montgomery, but in other state houses. So at, we're talking about the state level right now, but at the federal level, we did see an effort by Democratic Senator Tammy Duckworth, who uh, herself relied on IVF to conceive her two daughters, proposing a bill to enshrine IVF protection nationally. That bill's path was blocked by Republican Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith from Mississippi. Do you see the only way to guarantee IVF access through some kind of federal legislation or move? I, I think it's, it's a number of things. I think the federal bill is an incredible... Uh, step and it's an important um, piece in that puzzle. There are some state constitutions that we're going to have to still get fixed, similar to what we have in Alabama. But that federal legislation is gaining a lot of ground over the last week or two, and we are strongly supporting it, and we need to get that passed. 
You mentioned a lot of what we've been seeing since the fall of Roe v. Wade. Where do you see this ruling in terms of the trend we've seen since then uh, when it comes to reproductive rights? Yeah, I mean, this is this has been on the radar all along. It's just, uh, I think, on the back burner. And I think this Alabama court ruling has really brought it to the forefront. We've already seen a few governors. Um, while some have said, oh, I totally support IVF, others have said, I think we need to look at this and I think we need to study it. And that concerns me greatly. So I, I think we're going to have our work cut out for ourselves in many states. That is Barbara Kalora, CEO of Resolve, the National Infertility Association. Barbara, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.